Hello, everybody. This is Stephen Wheeler, and this is episode seven of A Fearless Life. And this one I've entitled A Boozy Time, and you'll understand that uh, as I get through the podcast why we're calling this A Boozy Time. So the year is 1993, and I graduated from Finney High School. And this is one thing I forgot to say in the last podcast, is I was in New Covenant for my 11th grade year, and when I transitioned from 11th to 12th grade, New Covenant has switched to being Finney. So I actually was the first graduating class of Finney High School in Penfield. Um, I was super excited to graduate because I couldn't wait to become a rock star. I had major plans. I had plans to marry my first love and become a rock star. Needless to say, that rock star thing never happened. Um, So let's go back to booze. I had my first drink at the age of 17. I know I was older than a lot of kids, but I was a very sheltered kid. I'll never forget. It was a it was like I think it was like three Budweisers, and we were with at a Totlau with my then girlfriend and two or three of my friends, uh, drinking at like probably twelve or one in the morning. Um, the unfortunate thing is this was the beginning of about seven years of intense drinking and running and being numb uh, for me. This is a tool that I finally found that helped me run from all the fear and anger and pain that I had felt from my life. And boy, did I use it. So I didn't go to college right away. I played in my band and recorded my first CD in my late teens and early 20s. But unfortunately, my fear and ego, it held me back. I wanted to play music that was complicated and nobody else could play. I just wanted to feed my own ego with the music. I had no interest in connecting with people through music. I just wanted to be there. I just wanted to be seen as the, as a good guitar player, as a good musician. I wanted to see be seen as, you know, you know, I just wanted to be noticed that I was uh, talented. Unfortunately, I didn't recognize that at that back at that time. So, as then going to college, I worked and I became a teacher at Bosies. So, I worked with the tough uh, uh, violent autistic kids. So during my late teens and early 20s, it was all about drinking and music and hanging out with my friends and working at Bosey's. And Bosey's did not help because we, as Teacher Day, would go out and drink uh, probably every single night after after the job because that job was stressful and was hard. So that was encouraged me to just in, uh, to basically hang out and keep drinking. So during this time, again, I'm just playing my my heart out with the music, or unfortunately not my heart out, but my 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 technique out, I should say, and not really being able to connect with anybody, just just kind of running away from my life. Uh, even though I had my friends and my girlfriend at the time, I'm I'm not present. I am definitely not present. Um, and during this time, uh, my mom, as like we she like we had she had the leukemia that went into remission. So even though Leukemia that goes into remission. You still have to get blood transfusions. Um, I think I don't know how often it was, like once every other month or once every month. Um, <clears throat> so she went and got a blood transfusion at the hospital, and unfortunately, the last blood transfusion that she had got was infected with HIV. Uh, so that blood, that, uh, so that that um, blood transfusion was infected with the with the virus HIV, and uh, that she got at the hospital. And even though her leukemia went into remission, you got to remember her her immune system is going to be be down. So you have to have a strong immune system to fight off the HIV. Um, so this was obviously another 
layer to everything going on in her life, in my family's life, in me life, in my life. So I'm like, I think about eight years, 18, 17 or 18, probably 18 at this uh, time in my life. <laughs> so my anger now, of course, grew tenfold. And I began to shut down even more and just drink even more and get pissed off even more and just and just blame probably everything else, everything on everybody. And uh, unfortunately, I mean, not unfortunately, this was fortunate. Fortunately, my mom moved in with, with her mom, my grandmother. And my grandmother took, took care of her. Uh, so we got my mom away from my dad because currently she was still living at the house with my dad and the kids. Um, and my dad was still up to his own shenanigans, his, uh, you know, the, the, the usual that my dad would bring to the table. And uh, so my grandmother did a lot of research. She, she uh, got into food. She got into supplements. She got into herbal remedies. And, and then my mom had the, whatever the hospital was good over the, for the chemotherapy. So she had all these things to help kind of heal her. And my, my, this is where I think I got my, um, the side of me that's the, 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 the uh, herbal medicine, um, plant medicine side of me from my grandmother during that time. Because I remember her just getting the spirulina and the chlorella and all these different herbal supplements put together. This is back in the like early 90s was when this one was even popular. She was digging deep into, and there was no Google. So she was digging deep, deep into the library and in the books. I give my grandmother a lot of credit. It's freaking awesome. Um, and to just try to heal my mom. And so she did everything she could to try to heal my mom. So meanwhile, during all of this, I wanted to ask my girlfriend to marry me. I was only 20 years old. Uh, I know that's freaking young. But back then, um, you know, we grew up in the church. It was a sin to have sex before you were married. So that was one of the uh, uh, factors of getting married. And so we can, you know, uh, have sex and people will, we can tell people or, or, you know, we don't feel ashamed. And also a lot of people at that age were getting married and having kids and just, you know, getting into that adult life. And I, my girlfriend then and I, we were definitely not ready for this, uh, but we, we, delve, we dove in. I asked her to marry me and she said yes. Plus, I wanted my mom to see me getting married. It was back then important for me to, for my mom to be able to see me get married because I knew she may not have long left to live given her, um, her current situation. So I was around, I was at, I was 20, 21 years old, and it was August of, I think it was 1996, I should know that. <laughs> I got married, and the good thing is my mom was able to be there. It was awesome to see her there. She was in a frail state, and kind of looked out of it, but she sat down that front row and uh, looked very proud of her son and uh, her future daughter-in-law of getting married, and um, so that, having her there was a special time, having her there to be able to see me and me be happy at least in that moment and uh and uh that was a very special time i'm glad she could she she was there um let's go back to the other half half that would be my dad so during this whole time i I mentioned briefly um when my mom moved out of the house my dad was my grandmother would not let my dad around my mom which was awesome and um, he was just causing havoc and saying, God will heal my mom. She doesn't need to be on all this medication. You know, it, it was crazy. Uh, Crazy's uh, very intense time. He was. He still had the kids out of the house. There were six of them. Because my brother, uh, right underneath me, went to the Marines. So it's now October of 1996. 
Um, and you married a couple months. And I remember I'm at my wife's house and I'm having dinner. And I get a phone call from, I think it was my grandma. It was either my grandmother or my uncle. Uh, saying my mom was in the hospital and she had, I actually knew she was in the hospital. Um, let me just backtrack from there. Uh, uh, because my mom's, uh, I was, let me just backtrack. Because my mom's um, immune system was down, she contracted HIV. HIV then turned into AIDS for her, AIDS for her. So she had been in the hospital uh, for like the past couple months. And I had been, I would go up there every day, every single day because she liked to play cards. I'd play cards with her. I'd talk with her. And then she became to begin an immense pain. She began, to, her mind began to get lost. She began to fit, forget who I was and forget she, uh, who who my, her mom was, my grandmother, when she would call us different names. She just was starting to lose her mind and couldn't, the, the cancer had gotten her or the AIDS had gotten into her brain and into her whole body at this point in time. So I'm at my wife's house and we're having dinner and I get a call from my grandmother and she's at the hospital and she had died of AIDS. So of course I immediately took my, my wife and, and I immediately took the car and went to the hospital crying all the way there. All sorts of feelings, anger, you know, what the hell is, why, why, why is this have to happen? You know, that kind of thing. All, you know, whatever runs through your head during those kinds of times. Um, I walk into the hospital room and it's a crazy thing. I actually wrote a song about this back in uh, 10, 12 years ago. There was a smile upon her face. It was almost like she was uh, at peace and happy. And there was, that room was filled with people, but it was filled with peace. I felt peace in her passing because her suffering was now gone. She didn't have to deal with all the crap that my dad was throwing at her. She didn't have to deal with all the stress and all, you know, the being sick. And I just will never forget that smile, never forget that peace that I felt going to that hospital room and everybody crying and it was intense times. But I walked out of there, you know, blaming God, blaming everything, blaming everyone. Why the, why the fuck is this happening? Why this happened to my mom? Why has this got to happen to me? The, the, I, I was just it was so fucking angry. I was yelling at everybody that get the, get the fuck out of my way. I mean, I was like, the anger was building you beyond in, intense. You, I, I can't even explain how crazy it got. That my drinking took a whole new, I'll, I'll tell you, it took a whole new level. Um, I went months without being sober after months without being sober. And I was playing in the band, hanging out with my wife and, uh, uh, and going to work. I was probably drunk, waking up, going to work every day, single day <laughs> during that time. So because of this, it's hard to put a lot of wear and tear on my relationship with my wife then because I wouldn't pay attention to her. I would just focus on drinking and play, hanging out with my friends and playing music because that's what kept me numb. That's what kept me uh, not having to focus on what's happening in my life during this point in time. So I, we, we started to argue. She started to get jealous of, of the people I was hanging out with and the music, uh, and the music that I was playing for rightfully. So I don't blame her. I mean, I wasn't paying attention to her and I was paying attention to the people, my friends and the music. And that's all I was paying attention and drinking. So, uh, you know, I don't blame her for getting jealous and angry at what I was doing during that point in time in my life. Of course, I'm so young and angry. I, I have no direction and no idea that I'm doing this back then. So I had a show out of town. Uh, we were playing with some some um, some big, pretty big bands at this little festival, probably like a couple hours away. And 
uh, her, my wife and I were arguing right before then. And I'm like, I do not want you to go. I need to have fun. I don't want the jealousy, you know, blah, blah, blah. I just, I left her at the house and I went with my friends and I'm playing this gig without you. I'm going to go. Um, so because of that, I got home and she was no longer there. She had taken her stuff, left, probably went to her mother's. And I said, good reason. I was ridden. I was so angry. I packed up all her stuff and called her up probably the next day. said, come get your stuff. I want you out of here. I'm done. So these were those days of me just trying to figure out my how to be a musician and how to be successful with, with my music and dealing with being a drunk and an angry and a fearful person and having no direction. And because of our split, I'm screwed financially. You know, we had a car I couldn't afford to pay for so the car gets repoed. I have like zero bucks in my uh, savings account or my bank account. Again, I have no direction on where I'm going in my life. And this was about, and about a year after this had happened uh, was when we fi- officially got divorced. Uh, her dad, I remember him walking up the steps to my apartment, handing me the divorce papers. I signed them. She had signed them. It was clean. It was done. I think we had no kids. And it was done. And I didn't have to worry about that. That was behind me. And it was a pretty... I was excited that that was a big relief and that was behind me. But unfortunately, I was lost. I, I was scared. Thank God that during this time I had my friends and I had my music because that's what kept me grounded or at least kept me alive, semi-grounded and kept me alive. So let's go back to the family. What's going on with the family? I've got seven brothers and sisters that are younger than me. I've got a dad who's still alive. I've got a mom who passed. So... Before my mom had passed, uh, she had uh, worked out with my grandmother, her mom, where the six of my of my brothers and sisters were to go, and they were going to go to my uncle, her her brothers, my mom's brother's house, and they were going they were the legal guardians of the, my brothers and sisters, the six of them, because remember my brother underneath me went to the Marines, so there were six of my brothers and sisters because at this point they were still living with my dad or my grandmother and I were we were all in and out there taking helping taking care of the kids. I think I was living there at that that that, that or, no I was not living there at that, at that time, but I was in and out helping. Um, cause my dad basically could not take care of six kids. He couldn't even take care of himself. Uh, so thank God she had gotten that all, all taken care of. So my brothers and sisters during this time went to my aunt and uncles and they didn't have to grow up with the craziest of my dad. Thank God. Um, they got to grow up together, which was very important. And that's how they're so successful today is because they got to grow up together and support each other together. And they are very close because of it today. So let's move to me being 22 years old. Um, I'm an angry, heavy alcoholic without direction. And at this point in time, I've had I start I have one of those uh, those shifting and enlightenment moments in my life. Um, it's in that early 20s uh, part of my life. I just remember I was at a party. And at this party, like I would normally do, I got really wasted and I got angry, probably, you know, yelling some shit about how shitty pop music is or somebody's opinion on, you know, just 
being obnoxious, which is what I would do. Um, and I remember there being teens, like, like I'm in my early 20s. I remember there being, you know, 16, 17-year-olds that at that point in time, because I was a musician uh, and I was a good musician, but this didn't connect with anybody, but they looked up to me. And a lot of people, a lot of these kids did looked up to me. I don't know why, to be honest with you, but they looked up to me. I just remember. Um, but I, I remember uh, just being obnoxious and they're sober. And I just remember being able to look back at why am I, I'm, I'm an idiot. I look like an idiot. Why am I doing this? I remember there being this big dog there, big hairy dog. And I was laying on the floor in the middle of this party, drunk off my ass. The dog started to lick me and I started to kiss the dog. And it was like I was almost making out with this dog. I don't know what that, probably just kissing back here. But I thought it was funny. Like I was trying to attract attention to myself doing it. I uh, thought this was a very funny thing to do. Um, man, was I hitting it really low. 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 And there was, I'm not going to get into details of my, all the other th- times that I would hit some lows like that during my drinking days, but this was the one that was a shifting point for me. I woke up the next morning, and of course I was still drunk. I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, this is fucking stupid. I'm done with this drinking. And I quit cold turkey. I didn't touch a drink for about a year. I felt the same empowerment and the same confidence and, uh, that I did when I was in my, going into my 10th grade year. That I can handle this, this, this. I can handle this. And I spent the last, the, the next year working out, found the passion that I had for exercise and eating right. And I played a lot of guitar. I just practiced guitar. Uh, I played with my band a lot. Sober. And the unfortunate thing about this is I could still, I got rid of the drinking, but I could not get rid of that ego (laughs) on the music thing. I just didn't understand the importance of connecting with people over music. I just wanted people to know how awesome I was on guitar and I could not get back to support. And it really held me back and unfortunately the whole band back. So at this point, it's about 2000, the year 2000. And we as a band had decided to, uh, moved to New York City. We wanted to take this music to the next. We want to pursue this seriously and take it to the next level. So, I mean, I remember it's August of 2001, and we moved to New York City. Now, as you remember, this is about a month before the 9-11 attacks. I remember on uh, 9-11, I had my first job at an interview. It was at Jacob Javits Center, which is on the west side. It was about uh, three miles north of where the World Trade Center was. And uh, if you don't know anything about the Jacobs Javits Center, it's a big center with these big, this covered in these big, big, big windows. You can see all around it. You can see the, the city all around it. And I just remember um, seeing one tower on fire, or smoking, I should say, smoking. And everybody's getting on their cell phones and trying to call, you know, their loved ones or whoever they know in the tower. And we're looking at the tower, and I just remember the second plane going into and hitting a tower. And as you can imagine and for those of you that were there you don't have to imagine but you can imagine it was very scary we had no idea what was going on at this point in time i had just moved to new york city and it's my first day at my new job so needless to say i had no job <laughs> and um i went home that i was i lived in brooklyn so i had to go south through manhattan which was impossible during that time so i think i had to go through queens i don't remember exactly how i got down but i had to get down to brooklyn um so Needless to say, there was no jobs available during that time. 
and the um, go figure. The only jobs that were available were security jobs. So I found a job in security, and I worked at uh, Hugo Boss on Fifth Avenue for security, doing security. And I was there for the next three years. And um, during this time, I got myself established and got used to New York City. And started having a little bit of fun. And unfortunately, found the drinking level. Never never got to the point where it was uh, back in the day. But found it uh, just to help me get through whatever I needed to get through during that time. So as I go through this podcast, you guys, as I always say this, I want you guys to just look back at your own life and to travel through your own life at the age that you were at where you were late, late teens and early 20s and what was happening with you, what decisions were you making that, are still, that still affect you now. And I can tell you guys, for, for me right now, I am not a rock star. And I am not a rock star because of the decisions that I made back then. Because I could not let go of that ego. I could not let go of that anger and that fear. And, I, and I'm going to go back to that fear because I think the fear is the biggest side of this and that holds us back. For me, I think it was always a, the, the fear of, of being successful. The fear of connection, of, of being vulnerable to people, of, of wanting to be able to hug people like on a spiritual and a physical realm and just be able to be the person that I was meant to be in this. I was a scared, scared to do that. And I think that subconsciously I just knew that with the music, if I opened up and connected, that I would break down and people would see a, a wimp. They would see like a, a weakling. And I want you guys to know, and I've realized this the hard way, I don't want you guys to realize this how, the hard way. I hope a lot of you guys listening to this podcast are not here, and you you have listened to yourself, and you know are living the life that you want to live, and being the person that you are. But just remember, fear is not something that we need to, in our life. To be afraid of something like, you know, like a say, for instance, you see a suspicious person across the, cer- uh, across the street, you're going to be afraid of that person because you need to protect yourself. That's different than this fear that I'm talking about. But this fear has no, it has no um, purpose. So the, the sooner we can recognize, the sooner we can embrace that fear that we have, the sooner that we can get rid of it and the sooner that we can live the life that we want to live. And... Us as parents, and I remember us as parents, we just need to support our kids, pay attention to them. I've got two kids, vehemently to support them, pay attention to them, help them find their direction, because God knows I did not have that direction growing up. And they need a direction, especially when they get into their teens and when they get into their early 20s, and to, to be able to find out what their purpose is, who they are meant to be in this life. And the sooner that we can help them and help other people around us to be able to find who they are and what they're meant to be in this life, that will help us also help us be who we're meant to be and live the life that we're meant to live. So in my next podcast, we're going to talk about, I find the love of my life and I open my first business and my band starts to take off. This is a positive podcast. (laughs) Doesn't it sound so? The love of my life, I open my first business, and my band starts to take off. We're going to get into that in the next podcast. Thank you, guys, and live a fearless life.